0: This is a special episode of the Alpha Universe podcast. I'm Christopher Robinson, editor of alphauniverse.com. And today my special guest is Sony's Eldine Nadia. Eldine, thanks for being here.
1: Thanks, it's always a pleasure.
0: Well, we're talking about the the new Sony a6400 that um, by the time people are listening to this will have just been introduced. And I'm wondering if you can tell me about some of the exciting new features on this camera.
1: So um, I hope we have more than an hour. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Time's a little shorter, so let's, let's cut we're, to the top one. We'll,
1: we'll cut to the chase. Actually, a really phenomenal camera. And uh, as you know, over the last couple of announcements, over the last couple of years, Sony has been really head-on in terms of technology and what we can develop, mostly focused on full-frame cameras. you know. Have a look at the uh, most recent A7 Mark III and everything that that camera can do and how its performance is also kind of direct descendant of the A9, which is an absolute phenomenon in the market. And the A7R 3 you know, we, we've basically been leading the way and also sales in full-frame cameras as a whole, uh, not just mirrorless cameras. And I wouldn't say neglected the APS-C market. We've had huge success with cameras like the 66300 6,000, and the 6,500. But we've come to a point where the technology allows itself to be put onto smaller cameras as well as full-frame cameras. So essentially, this is taking a um, most of the features that you're going to find on a camera like the A7 Mark III or even some features from the A9 and putting it into a ultra-compact APS-C body. So that's really where, it, uh, where, where the development of this camera stemmed from.
0: Yeah, and we'd also been talking about this camera, a lot of its features... That are being made available to users of an A9, an A73, and an A7R3 through the firmware upgrade that's coming out at the same time, correct?
1: Correct. So, you know, the three cameras, uh, full-frame cameras, obviously share the same type of, if, if, for a better word, operating system or um, you know, the firmware on the cameras is very much uh, the, the same base firmware that that is being used across those cameras. It's modified slightly depending on the hardware components of the camera. So, you know, whether it's a 24 megapixel camera or 42 or whether it's got um you know shutter system mechanism that can shoot at 10 frames a second or silent shut up to 20 frames a second so there's you know and it matches the type of lcd and evf and all the other fun stuff that the cameras have but for the most part it's based on the same generation of camera technology that we have so yes this is based on that you know, same camera generation. And as we've been pushing forward and developing this camera, we've obviously developed that a little bit further, and there's some other exciting things that we're going to be or would have announced by the time people listen to this that basically start on this camera, which is pretty pretty epic when you think about, um, you know, one of the most technologically advanced, if not the most technologically advanced camera in the world, basically, Mm. is the a6400 currently, which is really, really great.
0: Yeah, and so for people who may have thought that Sony was leaving APS-C with all the developments that have been happening in full frame, this camera comes in and and says, not only are we not leaving APS-C, we're going to lead APS-C, and we're making a lot of the features in our APS-C cameras also similar to the features that you're finding in the full frame, but with a different sensor and a different...
1: Right, right. And not only similar, but also more advanced. Mm -hmm. So, you know, along with hardware engineers, they're software engineers, and those have been developing you know, the new firmware, the new software and and pushing the limits in terms of what the Beyond's image process is. And as you know, you could basically see the camera as a microcomputer that is able to focus all of its energy and all of its horsepower on one thing. And it's creating great images Mm -hmm. and everything that's around that in terms of creating those great images. So being able to Take that little microcomputer and processor and push it to its, you know, I I don't even believe we're probably at its limits yet, maybe at the limits of the engineers currently, because they're developing things. And I'll give you a great example. You know, this camera is the first now in our series. Others have, we've announced uh, firmware updates based on this technology to feature what we call real-time autofocus tracking and real-time IAF uh, tracking. A lot of this is also based on AI that's been built into the camera. So we talk, you know, it's a good buzzword nowadays, the artificial intelligence, and it's actually something that is uh, reality when it comes to what we can actually do with the camera and building in things that make the cameras faster and more accurate than anything else that's on the market. I
0: interviewed Patrick Murphy-Racy two days ago in a podcast that's going live uh, right around the same time this one is, and we were talking about the firmware upgrade for the A9. And he was talking about some of these focus innovations there. Now at the time, neither he nor I knew that uh, this A6400 was coming out in two days. So um, you can start to get a sense of what, what Sony's doing there. But he was talking a lot about the new AF system and how it's working with the artificial intelligence
1: you know maybe if i go into some of the features of the a6400 it, in and i'll start bringing to light some of the features and uh that are really advanced and then mm-hmm. also it'll highlight which features are going to be in firmware and other cameras as well mm-hmm. so it's kind of a dual thing first base things on the a6400 we're talking about the same uh, XmoR R 24.2 megapixel sensors you'll find on the a6500 so there's no huge change there but what we do is add things in that make it far more advanced and mm-hmm. part of it has got to do with adding in a front-end LSI mm-hmm. so as data comes off gets transmitted for the diodes, turn it turn into electronic data through uh, analog to digital conversion that data has to go to the image processor for the processor to make something of that image at the same time the processor is trying to do a whole bunch of other things in terms of controlling focus, generating a live preview to your uh, EVF or your LCD, uh, writing data to the card if you're shooting in high speed. It's doing a bunch of stuff. So what we learned on the A9 is by throwing in a front-end LSI, it helps pre-process a lot of the data. So by the time the image hits the processor, the Beyond X processor has enough time to work on other functions and then take that data uh, manipulate that image and write it to the card. So what we l- end up with is images that are coming off the sensor that are far cleaner mm-hmm. uh, images. And when I talk about cleaner images, um, you have sharper images, you have better reproduction in terms of colour and detail. You have, you know, better low light sensitivity because the algorithms can now work in terms of cleaning up noise generated by DB. And uh, you know, there's so many things that then the processor can actually go and do other activities. So mm-hmm. like I said, one of the things that frees the processor up is with how the, the camera can then start utilizing data off the sensor and use that data to focus, for instance. And we'll talk about that in a second.
0: You know, Eldin, one of the things I love about interviewing you whenever you talk about the Beyonce processor is I always feel like you're saying Beyonce.
1: Well, you know, it's funny you say that because when the the processor first came out, and the first thing that came out of my mouth was, "Oh, it's a Beyonce processor," and the Japanese said, "No, it's Beyonce, like Beyonce," and it's ne- <laughs> <laughs> so that you pick up on that is exactly how yeah. it was intended. So let's uh, talk
0: a little bit more about um, about this new AF system.
1: Okay, so kicking off you know we talk about our 4D focus system and 4D focus system basically entails that it's fast it is wide and it is continuous and reliable and, and you know reproducible so when we have a look at the image sensor it has 425 phase detection af points nothing new the sensors nowadays have a lot of phase detection af points but what we've done now is divided up what used to be 25 contrast into 425 contrast points so as you know phase is the distance between two points one type of uh, measuring focus it's typically a lot faster than what you're going to get in contrast contrast as it states looks for the contrast between two different objects in order to find focus when you combine that you have what we call fast hybrid af system so it's fast and accurate and it starts to see objects in a three-dimensional space versus on a focal plane, Mm -hmm. right? So it's able to identify more in the the entire view of the camera and it's enabled to determine things like depth, color, texture, you know, and then with the AI can start determining things like, you know, shapes of objects, Mm -hmm. movement, speed. It can also detect faces and eyes. So it takes all that data And utilizing the 425 points, they also cover about 84% of the sensor. So now you cover almost corner to corner in terms of the sensor. So you can track a subject practically anywhere in your frame. Mm -hmm. So that's your fast, the combination of the hybrid AF. And by the way, the fast is actually the world's fastest, currently measured uh, at 0.02 of a second in terms of acquiring AF. Pretty remarkable. You know, you touch that focus button and in – 0.02 0.02 of a second it's already attained focus on your subject. it's pretty incredible so that's the fast the wide uh, I've mentioned already in terms of how many points and what it covers the reliable basically is the, or the steadfastness of the uh, focus system is then also based on the processing power and the algorithms within the camera in order to track that subject and being able to layer in multiple different things in terms of tracking your subject So there have been several improvements. Real-time lock-on AF Mm -hmm. is one of the improvements. You can actually track a subject in real-time, no matter how fast it's moving or your shooting speed is at. Also, real-time lock-on IAF. So IAF, as we know already, has been a continuous process. There's been a number of updates to IAF. The speed, the accuracy. You don't have to hold down a second custom button in order to activate IAF. The same with lock-on AF. You don't have to activate lock-on AF to in order to then push your shutter button. Before you would put it on like center lock-on yeah, AF, and right. you'd go through that you know three-step process to do that. You can actually assign that now to by half depressing the shutter button. It'll automatically default to lock-on AF, and if there's a face in the uh, uh, scene, it'll automatically lock onto an eye.
0: So basically, IAF is now just full-time AF. It's
1: not full-time. Yeah, and what we're calling real-time IAF.
0: And and it's it's tracking, you know, with a subject moving through the frame, it's tracking just all the time. It's not like there, there's, there are other camera systems out there, not Sony, that have IAF, but it's for, you know, a single shot and it, it's like not moving in the frame. And here we're talking about just
1: tracking throughout movement and everything else. Right. Our previous version was better than that. It's now even better than our previous version. And, you know, the beauty in terms of just... I don't know any time. They, I mean, there are obviously some situations, but mostly if you're going to be shooting people, you're going to be wanting to get their eyes into mm-hmm. focus, and this camera will do it almost every single time and super quick without you even thinking about it. And that's really breakthrough there's also a you can set a custom key to toggle between left or right eye in case you want it'll be on auto left or right so you can decide whether you want the left or right eye. because in auto mode what it'll typically do is always pick the closest side which mm-hmm. is you know if you're in a shallow depth of field that's what you want to do um there have been uh requests from customers to select eye. we added that in no harm no foul and it works so it really you know shows a couple of things not only are we developing the technology but we're also listening to our customers as we develop in this technology another just anecdotal thing that came up with that is and you know it's just because i know about this somebody asked me you know a while ago, um, some other camera brands use a blue as a default mm-hmm. in peaking function. You know, I threw it out there saying, "Hey, um, since we have red, white, and yellow, can we throw in a blue?" And they go, "Why?" And I said, "Well, it's used in other brands, and some customers are asking for it." And they said, "Sure, we can do that." So they did it.
0: I think it should be called the eldine peaking peaking color. Just yeah, shouldn't uh, it shouldn't have a blue label. It just be the eldine peak. The blue guy yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, I talked to other photographers, especially a couple of street photographers who were using. IAF in combination with like wide area AF where they would have, you know, wide area set for back button and then they would have the, um, the focus hold button on the lens set for IAF so they could acquire and then, you know, really make sure they got the eye in. And right. it was like that kind of a, a, a dual step thing where now you're engaging like, you know, three fingers. It's like your, your right. thumb on back button, your other thumb on the lens, and then your finger on the shutter button. What you're saying now is you can actually have just AF on that half to press of the shutter button correct?
1: and you're there. Correct. And you know, your subject could be coming in late and I'll give you a great example. Let's say for instance, we're shooting. A cyclist, and they're coming from a distance heading towards you, very high speed, you can lock onto that frame. And before it even sees a face, it would be locking and tracking that subject. And as soon as somebody looks up, it'll, it'll lock onto their eye. Mm-hmm. So th- it has a lot of really great uses in terms of professional sports photography as well as... You know, every day, you know, shoot your kids uh, running around the garden. If they turn, if, if they're running around the garden, you're going to get them at any angle. If they turn their head, you're going to nail their eye and focus. Mm-hmm. So it, it really has a lot of great applications. One of the other uh, great features is that, as you know, you know, when Sony started off in the interchangeable lens business, we were always hassled for not having features that other camera brands have. And that's changed over the years. And now we're hassled about you have too many features. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, I don't yeah. know how to navigate them. You know autofocus is one of them you know i think sony has been you know the number one driving force in terms of how autofocus works on cameras and to, especially with mirrorless cameras and where other brands have stuck to DSLRs for so many years are struggling to find right now what is capable on a mirrorless camera or, or how to utilize it whereas we're at a point now that we have so many af features that people are asking us to pare it down so one of the custom menu systems that you can go into you know you have Focus area, for instance, just Mm -hmm. as one example. You have wide, you have zone, you have area, you have center, you have spot, you have small, medium, and large. Flexible spot, you have small, medium, and large. All these different features where... It's a lot of control. It it seems to be, right? And there's certain things that certain people use more frequently than others. So you can actually go into your custom menu setting and you can select only the ones that you want to see. It's the same as on the LCD screen where you can scroll through the display. There's probably about eight different... Displays that can come on your screen, you know, one that only shows you data, one that shows you data overlaid over an image, one that shows you a histogram, one that shows you a digital level. You can go and select, well, I only use the one at the digital level and I only use the one that's completely clean. Mm-hmm. Fine. Check those two boxes, uncheck the other ones, it's the same. We could do that in the focus features now as well. Check the ones that you want, uncheck the ones that you don't. Those are only the ones that are going to appear while you, you know, using the camera.
0: So you're really customizing the menus. You're making it a, a, a faster, more efficient experience if you if you choose to have that.
1: Correct. And the entire camera is customizable like that. Right now, we even have what we call a my dial uh-huh. functionality, where, as you know, full frame cameras typically have a front and back dial for uh, aperture and shutter priority, and then we also have a third dial which can be utilized for navigation or I usually assign that to ISO, or other people assign it to other things. Um, this only has a thumb dial and a back dial mm. because the camera is a lot smaller, a lot more compact. There's no dial in the front. So now you can customize that dial to be the top dial would be, let's say, for example, shutter and the back one would be aperture. You hit your custom button, it then changes to the next setting that you can put in you can put up to three settings it could say that the top one is aperture and the bottom one is iso or you could change it where the top one is shutter speed and the bottom one is white balance for Mm -hmm. instance i mean so you it's really customizable you have i think up to 80 features customizable to each one of the custom buttons Mm -hmm. so you know the personalization around the camera to to set it up for exactly the way you shoot because let's face it Portrait shooters are different to landscape shooters, different to sports shooters, different to videographers. You can customize this camera the way that you shoot.
0: And in the few minutes that I got to handle the camera today, I was noticing in the menus that you've added diagrams showing where these features will appear, you know, as far as the dials and the buttons.
1: Yeah, that was actually a, uh, a really nice surprise that I also discovered today in the custom menu settings. So when you go into a custom menu, a lot of times it gives you a list, you know, custom menu 1, 2, back dial, center button left, right, up, down, etc. And, you, you know, you may not be 100% familiar with that. So when you customize custom button 1, C1, it actually has a diagram and shows you where that is on the camera itself. So, you know, you're 100% assured that that's the button that you want to assign that particular feature to.
0: It's kind of a, a nice feature because, you know, Sony has built an awful lot of technology, an awful lot of capability into their menu systems, and as a result, the menus are, they're big and they're complicated, and if, you know, you get used to them over time, yeah. but it, it takes a little bit of time, and this just really speeds that up, makes it a better experience. Yeah,
1: I would say the last uh, couple uh, iterations of, of menu updates have been uh, leaps and bounds. You know, I, I pick up other cameras uh, on a regular basis to test them out, and you know, ones that I used to know I get completely lost with now or frustrated yeah. uh, I think our system has surpassed a lot of the other ones in the market which is great there's tons of updates you know so uh, if, if I had to run through a number of the ones that have been transcended from you know some of the full-frame models for instance so we're looking at 24 frames a second mm-hmm. it also adds silent shooting so we can do 11 frames per second uh, continuous shooting I think you get up to 116 odd frames uh, JPEG and about 46 raw It'll also do silent shooting. Now, in silent shooting in a burst mode, it'll do up to 8 frames a second, but that's something new to an APS-C camera, uh, the 100% electronic shutter. So so you have either the mechanical shut-up to 11 frames, silent shut-up to 8 frames a second. JPEG and RAW, no changes there. However, we have updated this, and this will be one of those firmware updates to the other cameras as well, where we have, in, in the past, you could choose between RAW and uncompressed 14-bit RAW. Mm-hmm. But if you do RAW and JPEG simultaneously, the jpeg would be default to fine you can now actually select whether you wanted it to be fine extra fine or or a low-res jpeg uh, along with the raw file so it gives you a lot of opportunity for customization on -hmm. that part of it
0: Mm -hmm. and a minute ago you said it was uh, 24 frames per second that's 24 no no no, no.
1: 24 megapixels
0: 24 megapixels at 11
1: frames a second
0: okay gotcha And I thought for a second you were talking about video in 24p. No, so
1: that's a good transition, though. (laughs) (laughs) We can move over to video. So as with the A6500 and with the A7 Mark III, uh, both of which 24 megapixel cameras will be at the one full frame and the other one APS-C. This also at 24 megapixels will capture video in 6K resolution, oversample that without any line skipping or pixel binning and record a super clean 4K file. Mm-hmm. So tremendous quality 4K video. Internal, it is 8-bit 420 and external is 8-bit 422. You can shoot at either 24 or 30p on uh Okay.
0: And we've been talking a lot about some of these very high-tech features in the camera and, and innovations, but there's also kind of a neat feature that's sort of lower-tech in a way, but that's the the LCD flips up, which, you know, for, for people like vloggers right, is going to be, I think, a you know, a great feature. It's going them. to be
1: huge. So, yeah, another one of the, the, you know, those features of listening to the customer and responding appropriately. We know that, you know, we've been behind in terms of the flip out LCD and, and uh, we've had other solutions in terms of utilizing your cell phone as the LCD. However, mm-hmm. this does have a 180 degree flip out the top. One of the other really cool advanced features uh, or features that have been advanced is the touchscreen, mm-hmm. not for navigation, but for focus and uh, shutter release the touchscreen is really responsive. Mm -hmm. And I find that even during video acquisition, if you're going to be touching, you know, foreground and the background subject, the transitions are very, very smooth, very accurate. So there's been a lot of updates for video shooters. You know, a number of other updates include, we've removed MP4 as a separate file format. However, we've enhanced the proxy recording, which means Mm -hmm. if you're recording 4K XAVCS, for instance, and you set it on proxy recording, you do get the proxy MP4 file with it. With the announcement, we're also announcing an uh, update to our Play Memories mobile app, which would now transition and become uh, Imaging Edge mm-hmm. to align with the Imaging Edge software that already exists for um, you know remote capture control if you're shooting tethered in a studio, for file viewer, for raw data conversion. That also gets enhanced now to support the camera app, and there's a number of features that have been enhanced on that one specifically that a lot of videographers will be super excited about is the built-in intervalometer mm. for yep. creating time-lapse video. We talked earlier today about
0: price is that is that official at this point?
1: Um I believe the current price that's been said is 899 for the body only. Yeah,
0: that's which is pretty crazy. That's pretty crazy. Right. <laughs> I think it's going to be a hit. So yeah, I mean the, the yeah. camera looks really cool. I mean, in the, like I said, in the few minutes that I got to try it today, it, it you know it certainly is nice and solid. It has that great Sony APS-C form factor, compact, doesn't feel too small, feels really good in the hand. So right, right, uh, does seem to be a a great camera. I'm looking forward to trying it tomorrow when it's when it's officially launched.
1: Yeah, I think you know I've, I've had a, f- a few days to play around with it, not too much. Um, can't leave the office. Yeah. <laughs> so whenever I'm here, trying try and take a few shots in. I, I must say, you know, the enhancements, um, you know, it looks like an A6500, smells like one, but when you start using it, it is, uh, you You can feel the advances in technology and the speed and the performance of the cameras truly gone to another level. And like you said right in the beginning, especially the, the autofocus, the real-time uh, AF tracking, the real-time IAF, those are pretty much game changers. IAF used to be a game changer. This is just taken it to another level that is almost unbelievable at this time, you know, thinking that that technology didn't come out too long ago, mm-hmm. and we've already enhanced it as much as we have. is pretty pretty superb. Yeah.
0: Well, Dean, thanks very much for being our guest today. Looking forward to uh, shooting with the camera with you tomorrow. Thanks for having me again. The Alpha Universe podcast is sponsored by Sony and produced by Michael Atlin and me, Christopher Robinson. The executive producer is Alex Stevens. Our engineer is Andy Brohart. Special thanks to the Sony Digital Imaging team, who are always around to patiently answer our questions when it comes to the nuances of camera and lens technology. You can find the show notes for this episode at AlphaUniverse.com. Subscribe to our podcast at iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Christopher Robinson. Thanks for tuning in.